This podcast is a production of Journey, a church community inspiring people to live big. For more information, please visit cincyjourney.org. Good morning. My name is Joe Merrick. I'm the lead pastor here at Journey. Thank you so much for being here with us today, especially on this holiday weekend. We are thrilled that you are with us. A special thanks to you who might be new. We know it's not an easy thing to come into a new place and navigate yourself around and kind of find where to sit and where the bathroom is and all that kind of stuff. And so we want to say thank you for being brave this morning. And uh, we just want to, again, say thank you. We're so, so glad that you're here. And whether you are new or you have been around for a while, we want to encourage you right now to reach into the seat back in front of you. You'll find one of these Connect cards. And on the Connect card, you can put your information. uh, And uh, also, you can share prayer requests and other decisions that you've made, other important pieces of information. Also, uh, we would love, if you're new, to send you a, uh, something in the mail this week, just a thank you. So if you would allow us to do that by filling that card out, we would greatly appreciate it. With that shared, let me take a moment and pray for us as we get started. Dear God, We just want to say thank you for the wonderful moments of worship that Daniel led us in today. And God, most of all, we want to thank you that your presence is here. Your presence is here. It's moving and it's working, God. And we just want to join in in what you're doing. Thank you for being here with us this morning, God. Guide our time together. In your name we pray. Amen. Uh, well, uh, welcome to the final week of our Outcast series. And uh, as we kind of bring this series to a close one more time, let me take us all the way back to the beginning, all the way back to the why we're talking about this idea, this idea of being an outcast. One of the most debilitating things we face kind of as people is when we feel isolated, when we feel separated out, when we feel like we are somehow on the outside of some group, some uh, people, and we're looking in. We've all felt like that from time to time. Whether it's uh, going into the lunchroom and trying to figure out where to sit, or maybe it's just looking at somebody else's life and saying, you know what, mine's never going to look like that. I feel like I'm on the outside of something looking in. And when exclusion happens, when it happens with friends, when it happens at work, when it happens in families, it's difficult, it's hard, it's no fun. But when we have those feelings of exclusion, when it comes to God, when it comes to faith or the church, Let me just say it's unacceptable. All of the Bible, all of the Bible points to Jesus, and Jesus came to make a way for acceptance and inclusion into his kingdom. In the series, what we've been doing is we took five stories 
There were plenty more, but we just picked five. Five stories where Jesus goes out of his way to reach out to an outcast. To someone who society had deemed as unworthy, to someone who maybe themselves just kind of were feeling unworthy, Jesus seeks them out. Times in Scripture where uh, it would have been easier for Jesus. It would have been easier for him to ignore these people like everybody else had done. It would have been more popular for him to ignore them like everyone else was doing, but that was not Jesus' way. Jesus' heart is full of compassion for his people. All his people. So full that he seeks out those who are deemed unworthy by others or by themselves. When I think about what this series has been driving at, it comes back to this kind of one idea for me. Jesus has a special place in his heart for those who feel like an outcast. I hope you hear that as good news today. Because this is what I know. The enemy, the enemy is really good at tugging at these feelings of unworthiness. He's really good at finding that place in our heart and just picking at those feelings, keeping that wound open and fresh. Whether all of this faith stuff is new or we've been sitting in one of these seats or ones like it for many years, it doesn't take much. It doesn't take much to get us to kind of start repeating those messages. Those messages that uh, I've messed too much up. My life is too far gone. I, uh, there's no way God could love me right here. There's no way God could love me like this. I hope what you'll discover today and what you have discovered through this series is that those are lies. Those are lies and the life and the teachings of Jesus are in direct contradiction to those lies. That's what we're going to see in our verses today. But before we do that, I want to take just a moment and I want to share with you a video of a young woman named Brittany. And Brittany has endured some pretty incredible challenges for someone so young, but she's kind of taken all of this tragedy and she's turned it into a lesson of faith. Let's watch together. Last year when I was a junior, my stepbrother committed suicide. Guilt tore me apart inside every day. I just couldn't stop thinking about what if I had done this or what if I said that. I just regretted not doing everything in my power to help him before anything happened. The devil was just feeding him lies and that day he decided to believe him. I didn't even know if he was a believer in Christ or not. 
after that, things just weren't the same. I'm usually one who laughs and smiles all the time, but after that, it was really hard to concentrate in school. It was hard to just think of anything except the problems in life. I didn't blame God because a lot of people I know have done that, and I didn't feel like that was the solution, but I just stopped trying, and I didn't really care about much. I would come to church still, but it was more for the reason of I didn't want people calling me asking, why aren't you at church, or you know, questioning me, so I just figured I might as well just go and put on the act so everything seems okay. One weekend, our high school youth went to a conference. That night was the first time I had ever audibly heard God's voice. And I was telling him, God, I'm not strong. I can't handle this. I can't do this anymore. I just don't know what to do. And the words he spoke to me were, you are strong because I've made you strong. And that was the only thing he said, but that was way more than enough for me. I'm in theater, and I've been with these kids in my class for like three years now, every single day, but most of them don't even believe in God or anything. They don't go to church, and they're like my closest friends, and I was ashamed to talk about God. But after um, my stepbrother passed away, then I realized that there may not be much time. I had to go and tell all my friends about God because my brother was only 17 years old, and if such a traumatic Thing could happen to him then it could happen to anyone even those who haven't accepted Christ yet still just the fact that I've been able to expose them to God is a great feeling how can they believe if they never hear what God has to say Brittany's story this series, these verses that we're about to read, they all point to this one very clear idea. If we're feeling like an outcast, that is that God's grace and love is available even now. Jesus illustrates this not only with his life, not only with his teachings, but also with his death. Today we're going to explore this story of Jesus and the two criminals on the cross, on his right and his left. This comes from Luke chapter 23, verses 39 through 43. If you want to follow along in your version Bible app or you brought a Bible with you today, you can turn there. Luke 23, verses 39 through 43. Jesus understands how difficult it can be for us to wrap our minds around this idea of unmerited, undeserved grace. And so he teaches us this idea again and again. It's a message he even teaches us with his last words on earth. It's a message for us all, but especially for those of us who feel like we've messed things up too much, that we're too far gone, too broken for Jesus to love. If that's you, this story is specifically for you today. 
As Jesus hung on the cross, there were two criminals on either side of him who deserved to be there. The first criminal to to speak in the story is hanging there, he's broken, he's beaten, he's bleeding, and with his last words, his last moments in life, he insults uh, Jesus. He is hurling insults at him. With sarcasm and malice in his heart, he says to me, if, or he says to Jesus, if you are who you say you are, then save us all. Why don't you go ahead, go ahead, do it, Jesus, show us. The man rejected the only hope he had right next to him. He had won the lottery. He was dying a a terrible, miserable death, but he was doing it next to the person who created the heavens and the earth, the person who loved him and humanity so much that he was willing to endure pain and death to be with them for eternity. Luke 23, verse 39 says, one of the criminals, the first one, who hung there, hurled insults at him. Aren't you the Christ, he said. Aren't you the Christ? Save yourself, save us, if you are. Jesus gives no uh, response at all to the man's rejection. In fact, Scripture doesn't even mention Jesus looking at this first man, this first criminal. The second criminal had a different interaction entirely with Jesus he hears, hears what the first says and he rebukes it. He's in the same position. His, he's broken and bleeding and dying. But he understood that unlike himself, unlike the other guy, that Jesus didn't deserve to be there. Verses 40 and 41 of Luke 23 But the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God, he said, since you're under the same sentence. We are punished justly, for we are getting what our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. The criminal then went on and did what we all must. He confessed his sin. He he called himself a sinner, and he asked for Jesus Unlike the first criminal, who Jesus completely ignores, Jesus lifted up his head and he spoke some of his last words to this man. Verse 43, it says, And Jesus answered him, I tell you the truth, today, today you will be with me in paradise. The man cried out for Jesus to save him, and Jesus saved him. If there is any verse in the scriptures, any verse that declares this idea that it's never too late, it's this one. It's never too late for God's grace. It's never too late for God to work in our heart, in our life. It's this verse right here. The guy had absolutely no ability to do anything for Jesus. He couldn't hop down from the cross and go and be obedient to God. 
He was dying. He, it wasn't like he could give the next 50 years of his life kind of uh, uh, radically declaring the gospel. With his dying breath, he's making this plea that he's a sinner and he's asking for God's mercy. And God's mercy comes like a flood on this man's heart. And Jesus declares, today, today you will be with me in heaven. Your salvation, my salvation, is not based on anything we do. It's a gift. No matter how undeserving other people might think we are, no matter how undeserving we might feel like we are, it's a gift of grace from God. Scripture. Scripture tells us that we are all guilty like the criminals on the cross. The only question that really matters is which one we are. Are we the first? The first who is rejecting God's grace even with our last breath. Or the second? Fully admitting and confessing our sin, our brokenness, and falling on God's grace and mercy. you're feeling like an outcast today, especially when it comes to faith or church, I pray you hear these words as an invitation. I pray you hear them as good news and an invitation of good news that that God extends to you, to me, an invitation to experience life as it was meant not separated from God, but with Him. If you haven't accepted God's invitation of grace and love for whatever reason, we're going to pray about that in just a moment. And I pray what you have heard from this series, what you have heard from these verses, what you have heard from this story is that it's never too late. That God's grace and mercy is available to you today, no matter how undeserving you feel. If you've already crossed the line of faith, I want to help you notice something else in these texts today. Jesus, with his last moments, with his very last moments on earth in agony and in pain, he's interrupted. He's interrupted and he responds with patience and kindness and compassion. With Jesus' last moments, he finds a need and he fulfills it. He finds an outcast and brings them home. No one could blame Jesus for being a little preoccupied in the moment. No one could uh, blame Jesus for ignoring kind of the the deathbed uh, uh, plea of these two criminals or this one criminal around him. And yet Jesus... He's not bothered by the request. It doesn't 
uh, put him off, he gladly grants the man forgiveness and mercy. As I've thought about what I've been learning from this series, it's that Jesus sees people differently than I see them. Or maybe a better way to say it is Jesus just plain sees people and I so often just fly by, move on with my busyness and my agenda, and I miss them. Jesus is on the cross, and he gets interrupted. And so many times I get interrupted and I think, this is taking me away from what I'm supposed to be doing, what I'm supposed to be working on, and I do everything I can to push that interruption away. I'm more worried about my busyness sometimes than I am about God's business. Jesus gets interrupted by this guy who's done some pretty awful things to be in this place, to be on uh, this cross next to him. And he admits it. He admits that he's done them. He can't do anything for Jesus. He only has minutes left to live, and yet Jesus isn't annoyed or displeased with his last minute plan. So often, so often I don't act like that. So often I am too focused on my schedule and agenda and busyness, and I miss these divine moments, these divine opportunities God puts before me. Maybe you do too. One author wrote this. It's strange how busyness tends to take us from the things we cherish most, often without even noticing. When we are very busy, we lose sleep, we stop exercising, we stop spending time with friends, we're short and irritable with our family, we forget to pray. The the beauty and the sacredness of a new day is cheapened by how many tasks we're trying to pack into it called to be sanctuaries, harbors to the lost. I think that too often, the author says, we're more like tilt-a-wheels, spinning in every direction, but never going anywhere. If Jesus, if Jesus can gracefully entertain this divine interruption, if you can respond to it, surely I can push aside my agenda. Surely I can push aside some of the things that I feel like I need to get done, my busyness, and be more open to the divine opportunities God puts before me. Let me just be really clear. I need new eyes. 
I think that's something that we have seen again and again in all of these stories. Is that Jesus sees differently than the crowd does. Jesus sees differently than you or I do. They look around at at people, people who are pushed to the margins, people who are kind of doing their own thing. So often we write them off. We write opportunities off. We just keep on with our list, with our tasks, with our busyness, and we skip by God's business. These moments God puts before me and you. If you're like me and you'd like to be less focused on kind of your to-do list and more focused on what God wants you to do, I have three suggestions for you today. First one is this. To slow down. Hurry is the enemy of compassion. When we are hurried and busy and running from task to task, we can't see. We can't see the opportunities God puts before us. We've all hidden behind the smoke screens of hurry, convincing ourselves that if uh, we, don't, we don't notice, we aren't responsible to act. Right? We've done things like um, we've timed it so we miss somebody in the supermarket. We've kind of avoided eye contact as we walked by. We've quickly changed the subject, maybe with a phrase or a a topic change when someone was just about to share some kind of deep, troubling things going on in their life because it was going to get too hard. Compassion. Compassion requires us to slow down. It requires us to slow down enough to notice. That's precisely what Jesus does here. He has just a few minutes left on earth, and yet he slows down enough to notice the spiritual need around him. Second thing we have to do is to expect a mess. Expect a mess. Getting involved means we become exposed to the messiness of other people. Addictions are messy, divorces are messy, trauma is messy, depression is messy, trouble and difficulty is messy. But it's in the mess. It's in the mess that change happens. It's in the mess that people are most receptive to answers outside themselves. They're most receptive to God. We can't fear the mess of people's lives. In fact, we're called to it. Number three, make space for interruptions. People's needs are inconvenient to them and to us. They're inconvenient to them and to us. Each day we're giving these small opportunities to put compassion into action, grace into action. But it's probably going to interrupt. 
some lunch plans, some fun things that you had planned for later. Author C.S. Lewis wisely said, the great thing, if one can, is to stop regarding all the unpleasant things as interruptions of one's own own or real life, he says in quotations. The truth is, of course, that what one calls the interruptions are precisely one's real life. The one that God is sending them day by day. Let's pray today that we have that kind of heart. Dear God, we get this incredible story We get this incredible story in Scripture today of how even on the cross, even on the cross, you are on the lookout for an outcast, someone who has been pushed aside. God, you grant your grace and your mercy to this person, even in the last moments of their life. And it's this testimony, God, This testimony that your grace is always available and it's never too late. God, there might be some people here who feel like it's been too long. They're too far gone. They've messed things up too much in their life. There's too much brokenness. God, that you you don't really love them the where they are right now. I hope the story stands as the antidote to that lie. That lie that so many of us, whether we've crossed the line of faith or we haven't, the lie that we tell ourselves is that that we're too far gone. You're too disappointed in us. We should have known better. God, the story concludes with your grace and your mercy flooding this man's heart. And so if we're here today and we have not crossed that line of faith, if we are here feeling like an outcast, here feeling like we are too far gone, like it has been too long, like things are too messy in our lives to really be loved right My prayer, my prayer is that your grace floods our heart. That we confess that, just like this uh, thief did on the cross, that we confess it to you and we fall on your mercy. And I believe the same thing that happened that day will happen in us. Your grace and your mercy will flood over us. And God, we're also reminded in the story of how open you were to interruptions. God, we live busy lives with long task lists. And so many times we are so focused on working down those lists that we miss the opportunities you put before us. God, I know I have done that this week. The only antidote I know to that, God, is just to ask. Ask for new eyes. 
New eyes to see the people around me, the situations around me, the opportunities around me. New, a new heart, God. A heart that beats like your heart. A heart that is broken for people who don't know you, for people who are in pain, in suffering. Help me to have eyes and a heart like that, God. Help us all to have eyes Take us more into who you want us to be. In your name we pray. Amen.